Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Benedettiville Podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We've got an amazing show for you. I just wanted to pipe in here at the beginning to say, hey, if you like the show, drop us a line. Mail at benedettiville.com. We love getting stories and ideas from you guys. If you're enjoying the show, write a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot. And if you're feeling mighty supportive, hop on over to the Patreon page and you can help us make this radio show and podcast. Thanks a ton. Let's get to the show. Stella Jean Benedetti here. What's going on? And Eliana Hirsch. Hi. And the lovely Emmeline Benedetti is sitting over here to my left. And today is a very special day in Benedettiville. Does anybody know why? Is it because on this day in 1775, Patrick Henry delivered his famous speech where he says, Give me liberty or give me death. Um, no, Eliana, but I'm very impressed with that. Is it because on this day in 1857, Elijah Otis installed the first elevator in New York City? No, actually, not not because of that. I know. Is it because on this day in 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. led 25,000 people to the steps in capital to the state to the steps of the state capital in Alabama and protested for the um, rights of African Americans. Well, that is a very special th- reason to celebrate and a wonderful thing. But the thing we are excited today is much closer to home. Emmeline, do you know what we're celebrating today? What was that? Papa. Papa? Yes, Papa is coming home today, folks. Gio Benedetti is on his way home from Australia, and we are excited to be back together. And we are excited to be here and hosting this next hour of entertainment on the radio. 
In this episode, we catch up with Gio and Rocco before they board the plane home and get a little lesson on how to speak Australian. Yes, the grocery store. It's not just an errand you need to run. It's your kid's favorite place. So next time you pick them up from school or a play date or really anywhere, go ahead and treat them with a trip to the grocery store. Okay, let's go. Hey, Gio. Good eye, mate. How you going, bro? How you going? Good day. Oh, yeah, dude. How you going? Good eye. I'm feeling tops. It's heaps great down here in Australia, mate. Dude, I'm speaking Australian now. How you going means how are you? G'day means like good morning or just like hey or whatever, you know. Heaps means lots. Tops is like real good, you know. I guess I didn't know. I'm not paying that much attention. I'm glad you are. Fair dinkum. That means like for real and true. I mean, some of these things people don't even say, but they're just funny. I like had to learn them, you know. Man, I wish I had been paying more attention. I want to learn some Australian, too. Well, yeah, man. I mean, anyone can learn Australian. You just got to, like, open your ears while you're down here. And uh, I want to just, you know, try to blend in with the locals, you know? Oh, blending in with the local. Is that why you've got that, uh, that leather hat with the alligator teeth on it there? Is that why you're wearing those khaki shorts, man? Hey, Rocco, but you know that we, we do have to leave pretty soon. We're, we're going home. Finally, it's been about three weeks and we're going home. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, it's a little bittersweet to be headed home because Australia's great, and I really like it. There's some real cool folks down here. We met some real nice friends, and, uh, dude, have we mentioned the coffee? We have? Okay, well, I'm going to miss that, bro. You know, bittersweet. But also, it's so great to be headed home. I'm so homesick right now. Like, I miss literally everything about Petaluma right now. I am with you, dude. I am also missing everything about Petaluma. And people in Petaluma are going to be listening to us while we're flying home. Yeah, dude, that's mind-blowing. Like, when people are hearing me talk right now, I will be on the airplane flying back home. Whoa, it's like we're time travelers, bro. Crazy. Oh, Raka, I mean, I know we got to head home, but I just want to tell you, it has been a real good time down here in Australia. I've had a great time on these adventures with you. It's been fun traveling with you, man. Oh, Gio, it's been great traveling with you too, bud. And all the guys in the Brothers Comatose and Mother Hen Touring, our tour manager, it's been rad. Everyone's super cool. Yeah, everybody has been super cool. It's been a really good trip. Yeah, well, you know, we got to get ready for the last show of the tour here in Melbourne. Not Melbourne, you know. If you want to say it like an Australian, you got to say Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah, going down to Melbourne. Kind of like that, you know, but I'm not like perfect. Anyway, we got to do the show. You guys are going to have fun at Petaluma. We're going to be there real soon. And, uh, yeah, let's get on to the next thing, bro. Let's do it. See you soon, Petaluma. See you real soon, Petaluma. Can't wait to get back home. And, as Rocco said, let's get on to the next thing. What is your favorite place to be? The beach. Favorite place to be? Yeah. yeah. I love the beach. Any particular beach? Like um, any beach? Yeah, I like Barubi Beach at Nelson Bay. Yeah, um, yeah just love it there. It's beautiful. Sand dunes. Major tag, and what I do there is we do free for all, and we run in 
inside and outside the little buildings inside the inside a giant room, and you um and you have to shoot people in on the free for all, and it's my favorite part on the zombie apocalypse. My favorite place is Sydney. <laughs> I like hanging out in the city yeah. and eating dumplings. <laughs> um, I. I like to go to Target and I like to look at the toys and buy some. My favourite place to be is up at my mother's house in the mountains near a river and there's no internet and it's just chilled out and it's great. And that's where we spend every Christmas. Awesome. Sitting, Off the grid. And, sitting in the river with a beer and a ham sandwich. That's our winter. It's so hard for me to even imagine that in the mountains. It's bizarre. Yeah. That's me. So in Australia, Christmas time is actually summer? Yeah, isn't that funny? Don't you think that they decorate with snowman, stockings, and reindeer? And do you think they drink hot chocolate? You know, I, I don't know, but I'm sure Gio will have yeah. lots of stories to tell when he gets home. Right now, we are going to continue our story of Princess Harmony and the quest for music. And if you are just tuning in, we need to bring you up to speed. So Stella, will you bring us up to speed? Princess Harmony comes from the Kingdom of Silence. She had never heard music before until she wanders off one day and meets Mother Melody. Mother Melody gives her a map and Princess Harmony sets off to explore the old forest and bring music back to her kingdom. First, she meets Ruxapold, the doe songbird, and the first note of the great scale. He becomes her travel companion, and he begins to teach her the ways of the old forest and the magic of music, and the dreadful cacophonics, his noise goblins, and gloom cloaks. When we left Princess Harmony last week, she had just met Falia the gray mouse on the fourth note of the great scale. Now, along with Ruxapold the doe songbird, Raybright Suncatcher her trusty sword, and Meglass the reflector, Princess Harmony continues her journey to find the remaining notes of the great scale and defeat the cacophonics in order to bring music back to her kingdom. Princess Harmony awoke to someone poking her in her side. What is it? she asked sleepily, not yet even opening her eyes. The worried voice of the crocodiles answered her. It's time to move, young musician. The swamp is thick with gloom cloaks and noise goblins searching for you. We must get you somewhere safe, quick. Well, that woke up the princess in a hurry. And in no time at all, she was on her feet, packed and ready to go, with Falia riding on her shoulder and Ruxapold at her side. We'll take you by the secret ways, princess. Don't worry. Not even the cacophonics knows where our tunnels lead. Come on. And so saying, the crocodiles lumbered off into one of the many tunnels joined to their den. Princess Harmony and her friends followed. They crawled and walked for a long, long time before, finally, Father Crocodile pushed against the tunnel roof with his mighty snout and fresh air and early morning sunlight streamed in. The crocodiles showed Princess Harmony where she was on her map, and then they quickly said goodbye, sealed the tunnel, and headed back. Ruxapold, Falia, and Princess Harmony found themselves on their own again, back in the green, sunny comfort of the old forest. 
Well, we're ahead of those rotten cloaks and goblins for now, Princess, Ruxapold said, but we'll have to move quick and quiet from here out just to be safe. I agree, said the princess. Now, let's see where this next note might be. And the three of them peered at the map. Oh, it's the Silken City, squeaked Falia. That's where the five has appeared. It has been a long time since I've visited the good spider folk. This will be a grand journey. Silken City? Spider folk? What? asked Princess Harmony, getting a little bit nervous. I do not like spiders. Oh, nonsense, girl, Falia said. You've just not properly met a spider yet. That's the problem. You'll see. And after taking another moment to study the map, off went our three brave adventurers into the lush greenery of their early morning path through the forest. They were very quiet and quick in their travels, just as Ruxapold had suggested. Several times they had to run off the trail they were following and hide to let a loud patrol of noise goblins go by. But they were careful, and they were lucky, and they were not spotted. They even happened upon a honey water spring in a thicket of wild strawberries and were able to share a delicious and sweet rest in the pleasant shade of some leafy giant ferns. They continued on, taking very great care to follow the map exactly. They were passing very close to the ancient maze of the frog sorceress, and as Ruxapold explained, it was easy to get distracted and impossibly lost if you did not stay very carefully on the path. And even though Falia had lots of friends that she wanted to visit in the underground caves of the gnomes, they had to pass by the secret entrance without stopping, making sure to stay focused on their day's path and mission. Princess Harmony could tell that they were getting close to the Silken City because she could see great spiderwebs hanging in the top branches of the trees as they walked. Um, Falia? Rux? Princess Harmony said, stopping on the path. I should tell you that I really, really don't like spiders. Oh dear, Falia chirped, but you've never met the old forest spiders of the Silken City now, have you? Well, no, Princess Harmony said. Oh, they are the greatest weavers in all the land. Why, once kings and queens would come from the four corners of the world to have just one handkerchief or even a pair of socks of the finest silken city thread. The spiders are a wise, skilled, and wonderful bunch. You'll see, said Ruxapold. So, drumming up all of her adventuring spirit, curiosity, and courage... Princess Harmony continued down the trail towards the spiders with Ruxapold and Falia. Princess Harmony forgot all her fears the moment they topped a small hill and they stood before the towering, finely crafted web gate, the legendary entrance to the Silken City. And from there, they looked down on the city below. It was magnificent. Shimmering, delicate towers and domes rose from the forest floor, all woven from beautiful, sparkling spider silk. The gate that towered over them was covered with the most elaborate and intricate detail over every inch of its giant, strong surface. Princess Harmony was so entranced by the beautiful craft of the gate that she was very startled when a wooden staff barred her way forward, and a voice said, None may pass into the Silken City during this time of trouble and strife. Now go, go on your way. 
Princess Harmony looked up to see who spoke and who was holding the staff that blocked her way. It was a spider. A spider larger than she was. And it was wearing armor of hardened spider silk all over his body. Another armored spider guard stood right beside him. Princess Harmony was surprised to find that she was not the least bit afraid of this giant spider before her. The spiders were so serious and noble-looking, and they did not look creepy or crawly at all, and they were very clearly unhappy. Princess Harmony thought that they looked like they could surely use some help. Good spider guards, she said. I am Princess Harmony, and this is Ruxapol Dosong Hammershins III, first note of the Great Scale, and here is Folly of the Grey, fourth note of the Great Scale, and I come bearing Raybright Suncatcher, me glass the reflector and the map of melody and harmony in search of the notes of the great scale. And we will do anything we can to help you with whatever your trouble and strife might be. The many eyes on each spider guard got very big indeed, and they lowered their four front legs, bowing in the way of giant spiders everywhere. The map finder, the musician is here. Perhaps there is hope. Oh, yes. There's always hope, said Folly up brightly. Now what has happened here to close the ever-open, ever-welcoming web gate, she asked. Oh, it's our silk and our webs. They don't obey us. Everything comes out a big, tangled mess, wailed the spider guard. Come, come, our queen, Solin Silk Singer, will be able to explain much better than I. And so our band of adventurers followed one of the spider guards through the great web gate and down the wide roads of the Silken City. And while the buildings and bridges and sculptures that they saw in the city seemed perfect and beautiful, Princess Harmony could see signs of trouble all around her. Great piles of tangled spider silk had to be stepped around and lay in big piles on the roadsides. New buildings ended in a big mess of unattached threads and dangling cobwebs, and the spiders that they passed seemed sad and distracted and hopeless, maybe even gloomy. This does not look good, princess, Ruxapold whispered to her as they walked towards the queen's tower in the center of the silken city. Something or someone has surely used a strong magic indeed to affect the silk of the great spiders here. You're right, Rux, Harmony whispered back. And do you see how mopey and gloomy everyone is? I'll bet some rotten gloom cloaks are behind this. They seem like just the types that would try and ruin anything beautiful and lovely like this. At last, they came through the great arches of the Queen's Tower, up a winding stair, across a long, gleaming hallway, into the Spider Queen's throne room and into the throne room of Solin Silksinger, Queen of the Silken City. And there, on the throne, was, Princess Harmony could only guess, the Queen. But she was so tangled up in a giant mess of spider silk that it was hard to tell who or what was even on the throne. Oh, your majesty, cried the spider guard in shock and alarm, and he rushed to her side, trying to untangle the huge mess. Oh, no, Folia squeaked. We must try to do something. Let's help. And so Rux and Folia and Princess Harmony tried to help untangle the threads, but the silk was thinner than the finest of threads, and it was sticky. And the three of them were not spiders. 
and their fingers and their clothes and everything else stuck to this mischievously cursed and tangled thread. And soon, the spider guard, Rux, Falia, and Princess Harmony were all helplessly stuck in the spider silk tangle. said Ruxapold, his beak all tangled shut. Princess, squeaked Falia, who was stuck, but luckily just her feet. You'll have to use music to free us. But how, asked Princess Harmony, her hands and legs stuck fast to the webs. I can't reach Meeglass or Raybright, and I don't see any spells written anywhere. You will have to make your own spell, Harmony, Falia said. It is said that a true musician can create her own spells, can focus the music to whatever she desires so long as she is focused and true. Princess Harmony felt nervous, but very excited. It sounded difficult. Make her own spell without anything written? To untangle a gloom cloak curse? It sounded very difficult indeed, but Princess Harmony thought of the Silken City in its shambles, of the queen and her friends trapped, and she knew that she had to try. Rux, Ruxapold, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Can you give me your note while you're all tangled up? Mm-hmm. Raybright, Meeglass, can you guys? And she could feel them hum at her side, ready to make their music. And of course I'll give you my note, princess, squeaked Falia. And so the notes came. Resonating in the great throne room, the first four notes of the great scale. Princess Harmony wasn't sure what she would sing. She just focused on the sound of the first four notes of the great scale and concentrated all of her power, heart, and mind on untangling herself and her friends. And this is what she sang. As she sang, she thought of loosening, of unraveling, of unsticking. And she thought of untying knots and of running free through the gardens back at her castle home in the kingdom of silence. And the magic flowed through her body, growing and echoing and tingling from her hair down to her toes. And then, as she sang, she began to feel something pushing against her. A rotten feeling that her song was no good that her song wouldn't work, that she'd never be a true musician, that it was all hopeless and ever so gloomy. And her music began to waver. And then she heard Falia's voice at her ear. It's the curse of the gloom cloaks, child. They tried to defeat you with their darkness and gloom, but paid no attention to those hopeless voices. Focus, concentrate, for you are truly a musician. And Princess Harmony did. She could feel the hopeless, gloomy power fall back from her renewed confidence and concentration as she sang. It fell back and back and back, and then it was gone. And with a clear snap, she could feel the curse break. She stopped singing and looked around her. 
The silk tangle was sparkling with a gold shimmer of music, and Princess Harmony was amazed to see the tiny threads all moving. Working their ways out of the tangle faster and faster and faster, they crawled and looped and spun until, in just a few moments, the spider silk sat beside the queen's throne in a neat, perfect spool. And Princess Harmony, Ruxapold, Thalia, the spider guard, and Queen Solin were free of any trace of the tangle of spider silk. Ruxapold threw his wings around the princess in a warm embrace. You are amazing, child, he squawked. A true musician, a spell singer of the first order. Why, I never thought I'd see or hear with these poor old eyes and ears. Well done, princess, squeaked Falia, crawling up to perch on her shoulder. Aw, thanks for the help, Falia, said the princess. They turned to see the queen and the spider guard bowing to them. Great musician, on behalf of my silken city and all of the great spiders and silk weavers, I thank you, said Solin. You have saved us, and more, you have given us hope that music will return and the reign of the cacophonics will soon be over, she said. You are, of course, welcome to our help now and forever, said Princess Harmony, bowing low. Solin straightened up. I know why you have come, she said, smiling slyly. The gloom cloaks came for it, but I would not give it to them, and so they cursed us and left. But to Princess Harmony, musician, bringer of music, and hunter for the great scale, I give it happily. And so saying, one of her many back legs pressed hard against one of the stones on the floor of the throne room. There was a loud clack and then a sound of scraping stone as a large part of the wall behind the throne swung back to reveal a small, secret chamber. Queen Solin walked over to the chamber and gently withdrew something, then, returning, walked up to Princess Harmony with that same something draped over her two front legs. Princess, my great-great-grandmother wove this in the time before the cacophonic stole and trapped music. It is the greatest thing any spider weaver has ever made, and the most magical, and I now give it to you. It is so spun, the concealer, fifth note of the great scale. And she gave Princess Harmony the most beautiful, silken, shimmery cloak that the young princess had ever seen. The cloak had no weight to it at all, and the threads were so fine that they couldn't even be seen. It felt warm and soft in her hands, but strong at the same time. The cloak is strong enough to turn aside a blade or an arrow, but soft enough to use as a pillow, the queen told her. The queen's long front legs picked the cloak out of Harmony's hands and draped it over the princess's shoulders, clasping it at her neck. As the soft cloak settled around her shoulders, Princess Harmony could hear the new note. So. The queen spoke over the sound of the note in Harmony's head. Princess, should you hum the note while wearing so spun the concealer, you will become invisible. Princess Harmony began to hum along with the new note. So. So. 
And as she hummed, she felt things change. She heard Folly and Ruxapold gasp, and when she held her hand before her eyes, she could see it, but she could also see through it. She stopped singing, and Ruxapold cried out, Oh, you're back! Princess, what incredible magic you have! Wow, thank you, Solin, Princess Harmony said, kneeling before the queen's throne. No, 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 no. Thank you, princess. You have freed us from our curse and given hope to our city. Uh, actually, um, actually, I am a little worried about something, Princess Harmony said thoughtfully. Oh, and what is that? asked Solin. Well, what if you should become tangled or cursed again? Could I write out my new song for you, my untangling song? Oh, write a song! Ruxapold was ecstatic. A new song hasn't been written for centuries. It would be incredible, amazing, unprecedented. Certainly you may, child, Solin said, smiling. And I will have our city's finest weavers weave the spell into our flags and our streets everywhere. And so, with some help from Falia to learn how to write her symbol, and with some help from Ruxapold to make sure that everything looked right, Princess Harmony wrote out her spell of untangling on a spider silk scroll. Okay, so it was do, do, re, re, mi, mi, fa, and a rest. And then fa, fa, mi, mi, re, re, do, with a rest. And then I, I did again do, do, re, re, mi, mi, fa, with a rest. And then it ended with fa, mi, re, mi, do. There. And she handed the scroll to the queen. This is the greatest gift of our city, young musician, Queen Solon whispered as Harmony handed her the finished spell. We will treasure it forever. Thank you, your majesty, said Princess Harmony. And now we really should be off. If the Cacophonix is looking for us, I sure would like for us to be far away from your beautiful city. And so, with many more thank yous and hugs, the group departed the Silken City, with the Spider Guard guiding them high, high through the forest, on thin, near-invisible web bridges between the trees. They stopped at a great, wide nest where an eagle sat with her three eagle chicks, waiting for them amid the tasty smells of a warm and excellent dinner. They thanked their Spider Guard friend as he headed back for the Silken City and sat down to a wonderful meal with the very friendly very silly eagle family. That night, the three adventurers snuggled together in the eagle's nest, open to the crisp night air, towering high above the old forest and the cacophonix, and all of their worries and concerns. They slept under the soft warmth of the princess's new cloak, and rested peacefully under the sky and stars of the old forest night. Goblins got you down again? Did that pesky house sprite nab your keys? Ghosts and ghouls haunting your local abandoned buildings after dark? Well then come on down to Fenwick's Magic Emporium. We have all the freshest ingredients for your potions. The finest wands and staffs. You need a crystal ball, we say what color, what size, and how many. We know that most supermarkets don't sell the quality of powdered dragon's teeth that we do. We know how hard it is for your local bookstore to have the most up-to-date tomes of powerful and ancient sorcery. Don't settle for second best. Come down to Fenwick's Magic Emporium, where we bring the magic to you, literally. Remember the directions. Two blinks past the fourth light post. Turn around, say the charm of opening, and press the fourth stone from the corner. You can't miss it. Fenwick's Magic Emporium.
favorite place that you like to go? And um, can you describe it to me and tell me what you do when you get there? Yes. Well, my favorite place that I haven't even went to is Disneyland, and I will like it. I'll just find what I really want to do, and I'll just have fun. The beach, <laughs> because I like to swim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, at my grandma's house, and I like to play in the pool and play in her backyard. Uh, camping. Coonabarabran, because you've got the mountains to go and do bushwalks. Well, we've got different types of camping. Yeah. So we've got motorbike camping, or we've got kayaks where we go fishing and go camping. So you can't take that many things on the back of the trailer, so we have to choose yeah. what we're going to go and do. Well, it is Legoland, and it has a bunch of Legos there. Favorite thing to do, I think, is go on all the rides and stuff. Bali? <laughs> Why Bali? Um, because I like the beach. <laughs> and their beaches are better than Australian beaches? Uh, it's just, that's where I go to unwind. It's not work. I mean, we can drive to the beach five minutes from home, so yeah. that's, that's where that. I totally unwind. Beautiful. Yes. Well, it's really warm, and I like to do some really fun stuff at it, like play with Play-Doh and clay. And I also like um, to um, spend my time with my family. What is your favorite place? My favorite place is home. Princess Harmony awoke to the splashing of big, fat raindrops on her face. She sat up in the Eagle family's nest and looked out at a dark, thundercloud-covered sky. Rux and Folio were soon splashed awake as well. Oh, looks like quite a storm brewing, Princess, Ruxapold said. Well, good thing I've got so spun, Princess Harmony said, clasping the spider silk cloak around her neck and pulling up the hood. It's as dry and warm as the reading room back home in here. Just then, the Eagle family came swooping in back to the nest. They had been out for their early morning flying lessons. And together, they and our three adventurers helped make and eat a very tasty breakfast. While they ate, they looked at the magical map. Oh, the number six has appeared here in the Valley of the Elves, said Ruxapold happily. What a wonderful, beautiful place. Even in this rain, it will be a marvelous sight to behold. But Rux, said Princess Harmony, look at how far away it is. It's much further than we've ever gone before. And, see here, we'll have to cross these giant mountains. It'll take us days and days. Mm, very true, said Rux. The Dragon Tooth Mountains are very cold and difficult to cross on foot. We will have to pack very carefully. I think not interrupted the mother eagle, and she stepped into their midst wearing a fine, comfortable-looking saddle. Princess, I would be honored to take you to the Valley of the Elves. Your mouse friend may ride in your cloak, and this bird may follow me. Well, if he can keep up with an eagle, that is. Oh, me? Keep up? Well, of course I can keep up, spluttered Ruxapold. Harmony was excited. A ride on an eagle? Oh, that would be a dream come true. Thank you so much. And so the friends gathered their things, 
bundled up against the weather, and Princess Harmony belt herself into the eagle's saddle, and with a leap and a rush of wings and air, they were off. They flew very, very fast. The wind and rain lashed at them, and Princess Harmony felt the chill of the storm even through her magical cloak. Poor Ruxapult panted and flapped and splashed his way through the weather, proudly but very exhaustedly keeping up with the mighty eagle. Though it was cloudy and dark, Princess Harmony could still make out landmarks below as they flew that she remembered from looking at the map earlier. There below was the Emerald River, sparkling dully in the storm's darkness, but still showing some of the bright green glitterings that gave the river its name. And she was awed and very much impressed as they flew over the craggy peaks of the Dragontooth Mountains, when she was sure she could see great hairy giants at play in the storm on the mountain's highest peaks. The rain calmed into a hazy drizzle, and the storm lessened a little bit on the far side of the mountains, and gradually the eagle, with a very tired ruxapult behind her, started to descend closer to the trees and the paths below. It was as they got closer to the ground that Princess Harmony noticed a black cloud of smoke billowing up on the horizon, with angry tongues of flame flickering even through the damp and the rain. At the same time, she noticed a sound. A messy, wild racket of a sound like screeching animals and barrels of glass falling down stairs and hammering and yelling and splintering. Noise goblins. It was loud. Even though they were flying thousands of feet above the ground, still the racket of the noise goblins was almost unbearably loud. Mother Eagle screeched in pain and frustration and began to soar skyward. Princess Harmony, fighting against the incredible racket, peered over the eagle's shoulder towards the ground and saw a terrible sight. Hundreds and hundreds of noise goblins, an army of them, marching with their spears along a road, a road that led away from the smoke and the flames. Princess Harmony had a sinking feeling deep in her tummy. She thought back to the morning's map. The place where they had seen the number six on the map had to be just about where the great flames and smoke were still billowing up into the sky. And a noise goblin army was passing now, headed away from that very spot. Very worried now, Princess Harmony leaned forward and, over the sound of the noise goblins and the wind, shouted to Mother Eagle, We need to get to that fire as fast as we can! Mother Eagle screeched in agreement, and then, as she never had before, she sped on away from the noise goblins and on towards the smoke and the flames. Rux was falling behind the eagle's great speed, but Harmony couldn't wait now. The flames and smoke loomed close, and the sound of the noise goblins faded off in the distance as Princess Harmony saw that her worries had all been very well deserved. Down below them, engulfed in mean noise goblin fires, lay the village of the elves. Elves were running every which way with buckets and blankets and anything they could find to put out the flames. Over the cries and the clamor from below, Falia squeaked in the princess's ear. We can help them, princess. Do you feel up to some singing? Princess Harmony had been thinking the exact same thing. Absolutely, she said firmly. One voice may not be enough for this great task, Falia continued. I will sing my note. You should grasp Raybright. Use her as the musical home for your singing, and our combined song may be enough to save the village. 
Princess Harmony nodded. She didn't want to risk pulling Raybright from her belt, so she just grasped the handle of the sword. Hearing the warm, sunny note through her body gave her courage, and she was surprised to discover that by hearing just the one note, by hearing Raybright's note, she could now imagine in her ears all the other notes in her head. Princess Harmony steadied herself in Mother Eagle's saddle and concentrated on the storm and the rain and began to think of rainy, wet, cool thoughts as, remembering to use Ray as the musical home for her song, she sang with Falia against the noise goblin flames. The song sounded sad, but that was how Harmony felt. Her cool sadness fed the music, and she thought of waterfalls and rivers and great heavy drops of rain and tears. As she sang, she felt the weather listening. She felt the clouds and air hear her song, and in answer to her music with Falia, she felt the rain gathering and mustering its cool, watery strength. Then, as the song's last note faded into the skies, they burst. With a roar to drown out the crackling of the flames, the skies emptied their rain onto the elven village. The downpour was so heavy, it drove Mother Eagle to land under a thick tree branch above the village, where a very wet Ruxapult joined them shortly. Amazing, just amazing, he said in awe, as they all watched the fires dwindle and sputter out underneath the tremendous rains that the spell had summoned. In a matter of minutes, the fires were out, the rains were done, and a ray of sunshine shone down upon the cheering elf villagers. We did it, shouted Princess Harmony, sharing a brief moment of victory with her friends. Now let's go down there and see what needs doing. Mother Eagle was eager to get home to her family after such a dangerous morning. She flew Harmony to the valley floor, and they all embraced with many thank yous and goodbyes. Then Mother Eagle screeched her farewell, and she took off, soaring back to her nest. The three wet and weary adventurers continued down the path into the village. They were stopped by a group of very stern-looking and very wet elves with bows and arrows ready and pointed straight towards them. But as Princess Harmony, Falia, and Ruxapold approached closer, the stern looks melted into smiles of recognition, and before they knew it, they were being hugged and thanked and patted on the back and led through the still-smoking, very muddy village to cheers and shouts of joy. They stopped outside a large, nearly completely burned-out tree that had, before the fires, been a wonderful treehouse. Outside were an elf couple wearing wooden, leafy crowns, speaking quickly and with calm authority in their elfin language, giving encouragement and instruction to the many elves gathered around them. They stopped what they were doing as Princess Harmony approached with Rux and Falia. The woman with the crown spoke in the language that we all understand. I am Ladriana, Queen of the Elves. On behalf of all of the elves of the valley, we thank you. The forest and the valley are full of tales of you and your powers, and our woodland friends told us of your very great magic today. And I am King Ladros, spoke the crowned bearded elf. 
I know why you have come, and I fear I have only bad news. The noise goblin army that set fire to our village and attacked our people has stolen our prized treasure. La Fire the Truth Seeker, sixth note of the great scale. It is gone. There was a moment of somber silence in the village. Water dripped from the trees. A distant bird chirped. And then Princess Harmony said brightly, Well, then we'll just have to get it back. And I have a great plan to do just that. Ruxapold hooted. Oh, I knew it, child. Not ones to give up, we musician types. We'll have that law fire back as quick as you please. Harmony turned to the king and the queen. Your majesties, Ladros and Ladriana, what is law fire? What does it look like? Lafire is a bow, musician, the first, most ancient bow carved from the first tree of the old forest, said Ladriana. Could you make me a bow that looked similar, asked Princess Harmony. Maybe it looked close enough to fool a noise goblin or two? Ladros, the king, smiled, his eyes twinkled. Yes, yes we could. We'll have it ready shortly. Well, then all I need after that is something to protect my ears against about 300 noise goblins, Harmony said. Is there any such thing? Why, yes, there is, said Ladriana. The wax of the river root plant. It sighs the sound of the river in your ears, and it should keep the noise goblin racket just bearable enough. The king and the queen turned, and in the leafy language of the elves, gave instructions to the nearby villagers, and in a bustle of excited activity, the elves scattered off to go about their new tasks. It wasn't much later that Princess Harmony, Rux, and Falia set out on the valley path. Harmony carried a beautiful bow across her back, an exact copy of Lawfire the Truth Seeker made by the finest, fastest elven bowmaker, and the river root wax sighed in their ears as they walked. It was not difficult to follow the trail of 300 noise goblins. The muddy tracks from the earlier storm were very easy to see, as were the torn branches and the broken limbs and the trampled grass. And, of course, there was the noise. It was like approaching a swarm of bees that were hard at work scraping knives across dinner plates. They hurried ever closer to the army. The noise was terrible, and it would have stopped them in their tracks, but for the river root wax that whispered calmly in their ears. They got closer and closer to the army until they could hear the clanking and the bustle of the goblin soldiers even above the wafting, terrible clamor of the noise goblins themselves. Princess Harmony quickly stepped off the path and ducked behind a tree as they finally caught up to the noise goblins. The army was busy setting up camp for the night in a wide meadow. Harmony whispered in Rux's ear, Rux, you're too big to fit under Sospun and I'll need my cloak to get the bow back. I need you to watch from above. Keep an eye on the goblins and be ready to help if I need you. You got it, princess, Rux whispered, and he took to the skies. Thalia, Harmony continued, once Rux was circling above the goblin army, stay on my shoulder and we'll creep into their camp and get back Lawfire. I'll use Sospun to keep us invisible and, with a bit of luck, we'll be in and out in no time. She clasped the cloak tightly at her throat and pulled the hood up over her head. The note of So Spun the Concealer began to hum through her body and Harmony hummed along with it.
She could feel the world changing. She could feel herself becoming first a shadow and then completely invisible. Are you ready, Falia? she asked. I'm ready, princess, the mouse squeaked back. And they walked silently towards the noise goblin camp as the afternoon darkened into evening. Invisible, they snuck by the guards set at the edge of the camp. Then they snuck by the camps of the soldiers that were busy making the evening dinner, which smelled terrible, and playing their noise goblin games, which looked very rough and mean. They snuck by the guard captains lurking about in their big old captain's helmets, and then they snuck by the great big caped guards by the great big tent entrance in the middle of the camp. Once inside, they snuck by the even bigger guards inside the tent to a small room behind some curtains in the very, very back of the main tent. And there, lying on the table, was a shallow, long, very locked box. It was a box that was just the right size for a bow. Lawfire had to be in there. Harmony looked at Falia, because they could see each other under their magical cloak, and she whispered, It's locked. We need a key. Or a spell of unlocking, Falia squeaked back. Right, Harmony said, but my singing will alert the guards outside the curtain. Not if they're busy chasing a mouse that's just bitten their ugly goblin toes, Falia squeaked back. You are the best, Falia, Princess Harmony said. Be careful, and we'll meet up back at the tree beyond the camp. Falia scampered down off Harmony's shoulder and out past the curtain. In another few seconds, Princess Harmony couldn't help but laugh quietly as she heard two loud yells and then stamping feet as the two guards ran out of the tent. Princess Harmony wasted no time. She heard the hums of Raybright, Meeglass, and Sospun, and from them remembered and could imagine the sounds all by herself of Rux and Falia. And then, with all five notes ringing in her ears, she thought of open doors, of clear skies, wide paths, and of great big keys. And she sang. As the last note of the song faded away, a golden light shone from the lock on the shallow, narrow box, and there was a soft click. It was unlocked. Harmony quickly opened the box, and there lay Lawfire, the truth seeker's sixth note of the great scale. She grabbed the bow with one hand and replaced it with the false Lawfire with the other hand. She closed the box and, thinking quickly, whispered a spell to relock the box. It was her unlocking song. Only she sung it from the end back to the beginning. She slung the true law fire on her back under her cloak just as she heard the angry, frustrated, sore-toed guard stomp back into the tent. She had just drawn the cloak close and hummed herself invisible when one of the guards poked his ugly wolf-lizard-like face through the curtain just inches from her own invisible face. Oh, well, everything is fine here, grumbled the guard, close enough for Harmony's eyes to water at his terrible noise-goblin breath. 
Can't believe that rotten mouse got away, he muttered to himself as he closed the curtain. Even with the river root wax in her ears, Harmony's head ached from the awful noise of being so close to so many noise goblins. Very quickly and very quietly, she snuck her way back through the camp, seeing Ruck still circling overhead. She went past the last line of the goblin guards at the camp's edge and made it back to the tree where, she was very relieved to see, Falia sat waiting proudly. They rustled the top branches of the tree just a little bit so that Rux would see, and soon the friends were reunited, skipping and singing and dancing their way back to the village of the elves, giddy with the excitement and joy that can only come from succeeding in dangerous and daring missions. She's back! The musicians are back! cried the very happy and very relieved elven lookouts from high in the trees as they saw Princess Harmony, Ruxapold, and Falia prancing their way back to the village. And I have the bow, Harmony shouted back. A great cry of joy sprang from the gathered villagers and the elves threw their caps in the air and danced and cheered. That night there was a great feast in the burned-out great hall of the village. Benches and chairs and rugs were gathered from all over, and all the elves of the valley gathered and brought what food they could, and the valley echoed with their feasting joy. During the feasting, as Princess Harmony and Ruxapold and Folia danced and ate and made merry with the elves, King Ladros and Queen Ladriana took Harmony aside. You have turned our day of greatest sorrow into a day of great joy, said Ladros. And now you are the bearer of Lawfire Truthseeker, added Ladriana. You'll never need an arrow for this bow, she said. You need only have a true heart, a noble purpose, and sing her note, and she will aim true, and you will hit your mark. Come, you will see, she said. And they led Harmony to the low stage at the center of the hall. Ladros pointed to a great big cake, a huge cake being carried into the hall by ten strong elves and said, This is our elvish tradition, the cutting of the valley berry cake. It must be pierced through by an arrow, and only a very great archer can succeed. It is a great honor, and we ask that you would be our archer tonight. I would love to, said Harmony, and she drew forth Lafire and the new note of the ancient bow sang in her ears. There was no arrow on the bowstring of the bow, but as she drew the bowstring back, aimed at the tremendous cake, thought of her goal, and hummed the new note, a green, sparkling, glowing arrow appeared. There were gasps through the hall, but Harmony stayed focused, aimed, and loosed the magical arrow. It flew straight through the center of the cake and, in a merry burst of green sparks, split the cake into hundreds of perfect slices, enough for everyone in the hall. A great cheer rose up from the gathered elves. Well done, musician and archer, said the king. Thank you, your majesties said Harmony, yawning, even though she tried very hard not to. Oh, laughed Ladros, but of course you are very weary. We have prepared a bed for you and your friends. Come, I'll take you there. Or at least I'll take you there after you try our valley berry cake. And so Princess Harmony, Ruxapold, and Falia 
not too much later, and with bellies full of delicious valley berry cake, found themselves nestled in some very comfortable blankets in a small cabin high in the tree branches. Harmony was so tired that her eyes closed, and she was dreaming just as soon as her head hit the pillows. She was dreaming of the next day, of the seventh and final note of the great scale. She dreamed of bringing music back to her kingdom of silence. And as she slept, and Ruxapold and Folia too, the rain cleared, and the clouds sailed away, and a bright silver moon shone down. Somewhere, the Cacophonix was making desperate plans. Somewhere, the forest creatures were telling tales of hope and music and magical rains. And a restless, anxious, excited night fell on the Valley of the Elves and over the ancient, mysterious trees of the old forest. join us next week for the conclusion of our story. Until Until then, let's let's do do something nice for someone else. And stay tuned for the Vandermix, everybody. Coming up next here on KPCA 103.3 FM, streaming live on the net, kpca.fm. Goodbye! Bye! Bye. Woohoo! We did it! Woo!